Hines again from 47 yards to kick the Giants to the Super Bowl. Snap is good. Kick on its way. End over end. Does it have the distance? It is good. good. Yeah. Lawrence Tynes has kicked the Giants to the Super Bowl. Welcome to the next episode, the second episode of Giants on the Clock. I'm Ryan Wendells. Alongside me is uh, Chris Alfonte and Eddie Lally. We're here today. We've got a lot of Giants news to talk. But first, just want to give a quick disclaimer that if you are looking for a podcast with expert analysis with people who are breaking down plays, you've come to the wrong place. That's not our forte. None of us have ever played organized football. Well, I don't know if that's true, but I certainly have. Not true. Eddie, Eddie Lally sprung the Oceanside. Uh, football field is a good. so a lot of news to talk about today first we're gonna as we we want to go for this episode we got giants news to talk about a lot going on last week after the draft um then we're going to go into a segment about joe judge and what we think his big goal should be for this year then we're gonna do a quick uh turnaround and see what the state of the nfc east is currently after the draft and see what you know what big issues lie for each team especially for the cowboys since andy dalton is the only quarterback on their roster it appears to be yeah I know. And finally, uh, Chris is going to take us through his appreciation and what should be every Giants fan's appreciation for one of the greatest wide receivers to ever play for the franchise. I'm going to go out and let him say that. Absolutely. Yeah. Let him say that. Super Bowl champion, Hakeem Nick. You're well supported on that limb, Ryan. <laughs> Great. All right. First, going into Giants news, uh, I'm sure you guys saw that Giants picked up the fifth-year options on Jabril Peppers and Evan Ingram. I think those are both no-brainer, no-brainer moves. I know a couple people probably were a little ticked off about Evan Ingram. Probably Eddie. I know you have some hot takes about Ingram. I don't. It's not that I, I do have some hot takes. I don't really think he's that good. I mean, I, I just because of like he's a tight end, you know. I mean, he doesn't block anyone. I get it, like if he's a great he great receiver or whatnot, but. It's like you have to throw another tight end out there with him just to be a tight end. But I guess it's good, though, because at the same time, like, he plays like a wide receiver so you can move him out. And then if you ever had to franchise tag him or, or like, the money reason, it, he'll always be a little bit less just because he's not a, a, a wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I like Evan Ingram. I think he's good. I mean, the only, obviously the only bad thing about Evan Ingram, in my opinion, is that he can't stay on the field. Yeah, he's always hurt. Very <laughs> see what Jason Garrett does with Evan Ingram. Mm-hmm. And I think picking up the two options were no-brainers. I mean, we got Evan Ingram for six mil this year, Jabril Peppers for seven mil. Those right. two are going to be vital parts of our teams, and we're getting the two of them on a bargain on the last year, their rookie deals. It was just necessary. It was only a matter of time until they picked those options up. And they're going to yeah. be two of our best players, and we're going to get paying a total of 13 mil for them. is no-brainer for the Giants. Yeah, and let me just go and, and put a bow on this, but I think Jabril Peppers was, in my opinion, the best defensive player we had last year, um, which, is not saying, which is not saying much, but <laughs> it is. It's just because even you know when he got hurt, that was a big hit, uh, and you could tell the Giants were not as good with him off the field. Next piece of news, which is interesting, and uh, Joe Judge and, and Dave Gellman put an un, unrestricted free agent tender on Marcus Golden, which I didn't know existed. I don't think anybody knew existed. I think it's only the second time it's ever been used. The first time, of course, was by Bill Belichick, so uh, on LeGarrette Blunt. So Marcus Golden, guy can't catch a break, has 10 sacks last year on a prove-it deal. No one wants to sign him. 
Now his best bet is that he comes back to the Giants on a contract that is 110% of his last year's salary. So, well, so now what is, what is he supposed to be making with the Giants? He's not on a contract right now. No, right. sorry. What did he make last year? He made 4.75 million. Yeah. Okay, and what is he asking for? So I think on the open market, it's reported that he's looking for – he wants a long deal and he wants something around 10 mil a year. Yeah, I heard now, it. Nobody's taking on that. Um, but who knows? I mean, there's – also there's the Griffin guy from the Vikings along with Jadavian Clowney on the market too. There's a bunch of edge rushers out there available. So, I, I mean, I, I love the move by the Giants, not because I think it's going to result in Marcus Golden coming back for five mil, even though that would be amazing. I just love it because we, we're showing some, some noggin. We're showing some creativity by the front. Yeah. This is something that we haven't seen ever. And I, I think it just goes to the Joe Judge effect, bringing that Patriots innovation and creativity to our front office. And that's going to result in good things, even if this move isn't actually going to come to fruition and, and bring Golden back. That's, that's not really the point of it in my mind. Yeah, this is a cunning move from from Joe Judge. I'm just giving the credit to Joe Judge. I don't know why he's <laughs> they get him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Joe Judge. Like, what has changed from last year to this year? It's Joe Judge. I mean, yeah, and good on the like, Giants. For, good on the Giants for letting Joe Judge be a part of the process. Obviously, you know, one of the more longer the Giants are known around the league for having a very, you know. Uh, strict line between front office and coaching. So looks like they're finally starting to blend that a little bit, which is what you see a lot of successful mm-hmm. teams. But the other smart thing about this is now, now if someone does say sign, let's say the Seahawks get tired of waiting for Clowney and want a pass rusher, they go for Golden. Now that factors into the Giants comp pick formula, um, which was bound to be bad since we signed a couple of high price free agents in Martinez and Bradbury. So that's yeah. another revolving part about this where we might actually, you know, benefit our draft picks here, even if we don't get him back, which was smart. The issue with Clowney and why I think he hasn't been signed yet is because he has an injury past. I mean, right. there's a reason why they let him hit the free market anyway. Right. No one was ever given $20 million. He's not going to get 17 now. If he hasn't gotten it yet, he's not going to get it. There's only a couple teams who could even pay him. I mean, it's a Seahawks. Right. And, you know, it's probably only – he's probably going back to Seattle, which will be like a one-year deal for like $15 million. That's my Jets could pay him. The Jets could also pay him, but why would you ever want to subject yourself to that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I mean, I mean that, that, that same point holds true with Golden. He has a, he's a extensive injury – his injury pass, which is the reason he took a, a one – make it and break a deal with the Giants, a one-year deal with the Giants. And it worked out for him. He had a great year. I loved him on the Giants and would love to have him back, just not at 10 mil and just not at a long-term guaranteed deal. Yeah, I mean, I mean this yeah. is a win-win for the Giants. They literally don't lose anything. We, they were yeah. going – they went into the draft knowing, think, I bet, that Marcus Golden would not be a Giant. And it's somewhat, so, of a, it's somewhat of a flex on the league, too, just, just putting the move out there. It's kind of Joe Judge just dropping it all out on the table saying, hey, we're here. We're gonna we're gonna do some weird things. Let's get out of the CBA. All right. The next big news, which is, in my opinion, big news. Joe Judge finally mentioned a player's name. Yes. And of course, it was glowing praise of one Daniel Jones. And here's the here's the audio of that. Backs in the NFL. Does he have that kind of upside in a couple of years? Now, let me say first off, I'm very excited about working with Daniel. I love his toughness. I love his competitiveness. Those shine through right away. I want to be fair to Daniel right now and let him have the opportunity to learn the offense that he's working in right now that he's never taken a snap in. 
mm-hmm. and let him progress at his rate, okay, and develop his career over a course of time, it's going to go ahead and meet the expectations all right, that we set internally. And I'd say, you know, for all of our players right now, they're all learning something new. You know, they're anxious to get on the grass and play. We're anxious to get on the grass and play. The reality is right now we're talking to guys through computers. So to make a prediction for someone's career, to make a prediction for a team, that's not realistic at this point. But let me yeah. say something. I love working with this guy every day. He's got mm-hmm. a fire that burns in him. He brings other guys along with him. Uh, he shows up every day. He knows what you're going to teach before you're teaching it in terms of being prepared on material. You know, he sets the tone for the room, and, and very excited when we finally get these guys in person. They'll get with him. Just smart answer, coach. Of, yeah, I mean that's that's pretty high praise from a guy who, for about a week ago, not, didn't mention one giant by name. Um, I love that, by the way. Love yeah. that. Absolutely love that. Yeah, that's amazing. I agree, and just another thing. Like every time Joe Judge opens his mouth, I feel way more confident about the direction of this team. He's, he's so reassuring. And also just to add to that, I love the fact that he hadn't referenced any guy by name directly to this point. I love the whole tone setting thing where he's coming in, we're starting fresh. Nobody has a secure job. Are you going to make everybody earn it? He's not handing it to anyone. Including, With that being said, I love that Daniel Jones is the first guy he's mentioning. Yeah. And if you had any questions about Daniel Jones beforehand, if a guy like Joe Judge believes in him like that, he's good with me. Yeah, right. I mean, the only in all in all reality, like we the we really know that the two guys who are 100 percent safe are Saquon and, and Daniel Jones. Other than that, like who else really played that well last year to be like, oh, yeah, he definitely deserves to be a guy that we really want. Like, I mean, maybe, you know, Shepard, but the whole defense, it, it could have been you could have erased that whole entire fucking defense. It wouldn't. Yeah. Have and, you know, the thing is, too, is, like, Jones's rookie year, which by all intents and purposes was fantastic. Um, the fumbling issue, yeah, got it. You know, he fumbled a little more than Carson Wentz did last year. <laughs> he did. Mm-hmm. And he also had – People a, forget. He also had an incompetent left tackle on Nate Solder. Mm-hmm. So, and does Jones hold on to the ball along? Yeah, because he's looking downfield, which is – I love Eli Manning. I'll be the first person to stand in line and say Eli Manning is a first ballot Hall of Famer. But Eli, from his last couple of years of his career, didn't have Checked a luxury. Down. Didn't have the luxury of time though. It wasn't because he didn't yeah, want to. No, yeah, I, well, I think also he was a little shell shocked too, just from getting hit, it continuously beat into the ground. Like there was times where he was checking down, and it was just because like, well, fuck. Like I just assumed that someone's coming now. Like that one game when, what was it last year? Saquon Barkley had like. 14 receptions in one game, 14 or 15 receptions in one game, which obviously, like, as we can see with McCaffrey and, you know, Kamara as running back getting a lot of catches, like, it doesn't mean that much, but it was all like, you know, I look down the field for a second and then it's automatically, I know Saquon's on the left or I know Saquon's on the right, I'm going right to him. Like, that's what the scary part was. It wasn't yeah. like... The clock in his head was sped up for sure. Exactly, exactly. And, I, and so and that's another reason why I, I feel like Eli had a bad rep the past three years is he wouldn't go downfield because <laughs> what, what it was the 2000 – whenever Eric Flowers last year was, I, I don't – like he was getting absolutely fucking wrecked. Like yep. every game, every game. And Ooh. then it totally, you know, messes you up, especially when you get older and, you know, your arm gets a little bit – you don't trust your arm as much. You got to trust more of your head. And he couldn't even do that because, you know, you got to scan. You got to make, make plays. He couldn't even do that. He wasn't able to do anything. 
to to get back to that judge quote though i think there was a line in there where he said we're just all waiting that to to get on the grass and play and boy do i love that what what a football guy thing to say get get back on the grass, the grass. And play. I, I just i just envision him out there like getting out there before anyone else is there kind of smelling the grass getting a sniff of it just let let my guy get back on the grass that's all we want i uh about the judge i mean i hate doing the comparisons game but to me he really literally reminds me of a mix of Tom Coughlin and 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 Bill Belichick a little bit because mm-hmm. he's 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 Belichickian, but then he's also uh, way more polished for the media, which is which is huge, especially in New York. In New like, York I don't think yeah. people, people are saying, "Oh, he's going to be Belichick Junior," and that never works out. But I don't think I've ever heard Belichick glow about a player like Joe mm-hmm. Judge. Well, he's never actually coached. Not, no ever not, coached. not only that, like I know that a lot of people like I don't remember like people really being like. I know that a lot of people say that his like disciples or whatever they go on to not have good coaching careers, but you could never like you don't you can't look at Josh McDaniel and be like, oh yeah, like that's the Bill Belichick Jr. Like not even fucking close. Like they are nothing alike. Right. That's that's the other part. Like Joe Judge, Mm -hmm. like he has that stature. He has that like the commands a room. Yes, thank you. That's yeah. He commands a room and and That's the crazy part. He is not – I mean, he's not that old. You said he's, he's 38, you said, right? 38, yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Um, all right, moving on. I think uh, – Well, let's go on to some of the goals that Joe Judge yeah, should have yeah. this year. So for this idea, you're Joe Judge. You're walking into the Giants training facility. You walk into your office. You got a big whiteboard. What are the top three things you're putting on there? So I, I have two and only two. Um and, and there, there is some overlap with the two of them, but I think it's, it's really all he needs to do this year. Um, the first one being, and he's already started this, is, is build a culture and build a winning culture with the Giants. Right. Um, and the second one being develop Danny Dimes. Um, I think those are the, the two most important things that, that he has to do with this team this year. Um, like I said, I think he's already started with the first one, just in the sense that all the things we've been talking about, he's, making guys compete for a job, not by not referencing by name. It's just a microcosm of, of him telling people, nobody's secure right now. You're going to have to come with your best foot forward. I don't care what your name is. You're going to have to come and earn a spot. Um, and that's the kind of culture we need. We need people competing for spots. It's going to make people get better. And it's going to get the best out of each player um, it, on both sides of the ball, which is which is necessary, which, which is what leads to a winning culture, something that he's going to – is hopefully going to bring over from New England. Yeah, I have a much more quantitative approach, but I like your idea. That's good. Yeah, I agree. We need a culture. We need we need we need a buy-in. We need buy-in from people. Uh, Pat Shermer certainly didn't get that. It seemed like it seemed like he way more than Ben McAdoo did, but it just didn't didn't really seem to click. But mine, I had three. <laughs> Beat the goddamn Eagles. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, just for the good of the fan base. Beat the Eagles. We haven't beaten them uh, since 2016. Oh, it's so fucking. Seven. It's been seven appearances. Pat Shermer got obviously got swept. He was zero four against the Eagles. Um, my second thing is beat the fucking Cowboys. <laughs> Another team we are on a horrific losing streak too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're on a losing streak I, to a lot. Of, we're on a losing streak to a lot of teams right Jason now. So. Garrett, had we'll cut that out, Andy. We'll cut. <laughs> yeah, cut that one out. <laughs> I was saying though, Jason Garrett has like a crazy record against the Giants. He's like. 18 and five against the Giants or something crazy like that. But 
that's fine. So I'm happy he's on our team now. So hopefully we get some secrets from him about you know what what he what he what what how to get to Dak because we all know Dak is trash. Um, Make Dak throw it outside the numbers. Game yeah, over, guy. And finally, uh, my final goal. It's another quantitative thing, but win more than win seven at least seven games. I think that would give the fan base a lot of gen- – even it's seven games. Giants should have won seven games last year. There were winnable games that Shermer – that I think the difference between Shermer and Judge could really bring that into, bring that into focus. So, mm-hmm. uh, win seven games, I think that's doable with the schedule. It's a little tough as we – you know, we got to play the Ravens, we got to play the 49ers, we got to play the Seahawks. But I still think it's doable. I like that. See, I think um, I, 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 love, I love those three. I think as long as, as Judge can show that, that Daniel Jones is taking strides and improving, um, even if we end up with four or five wins, I think that goes a long way with the fan base just because he's going to be our guy that we're riding with for this franchise. Um, and it's, it's, that, that's the hope. That's what we're basing all our hope on for the future is this quarterback we drafted in the top ten. Um, and I think that in addition with cutting out all that bullshit about having like – Janoris Jenkins and Eli Apple being suspended for breaking team protocol, like all that nonsense that we had to deal with with McAdoo and Shermer. Like, I don't want to see any of that with Joe Judge because I, I think that just that, – that kills a locker room, kills a team. They got to realize there's a bigger picture. It's Judge's job to make them know about. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so with mine, the first and foremost, it kind of goes into what Chris was saying about culture. Well, it's a type of culture that you need to – they need to learn how to finish games. Oh, my God. God, they ever like they had two. What was it? 2017. They that was the last like in the past like six years. That was the only year where they actually like finished games. Honestly, ever since uh, what was it? Um, the miracle at the Meadowlands. They after that, and I know it's like mm-hmm. completely different teams and everything like that. Like it's you can't really compare it like that. But I just feel like every single team they just don't know how to finish. They start slow, and they somehow they pick up in the second and third quarter, and then they just shit the bed at the end. Yeah, every, I mean, we haven't been over five hundred in three, four years now. So I yeah, would, well, there was one winning season since since the, the sorry, two winning seasons since they won the Super Bowl. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. it was the year after, which was the um pretty sure was that the no was 2011 the miracle at the Meadowlands? Did no, I mix that 2010. Up? 2010. Okay, so I flip flop it then. That um the sorry 2013 season was the one with rg3 and they not only didn't finish games they didn't finish the season they were six and two or whatever it was and then they just totally crapped out um yeah i like that one that i mean how many times have you seen us lose on a last minute drive last minute field goal that panthers game a couple years ago comes to mind with a 60 something yard field goal to win it um as time expired even like the eagles game this past year when we're up the whole game and you just it's it's so demoralizing as a fan because we've seen it so many times and you just know what's gonna happen. You know that the Eagles are gonna march right down the field and, and win. Nobody's gonna cover Zach Ertz. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'll look for that. Then yeah, I, oh sorry, I was gonna no, just, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. Finish it. That that's that's good too. And going back to that point, it's hard. I mean, Tom Coughlin, I feel like in his last couple of years, they started hot and then they fell apart until that last year. I think they started 0 and six and finished strong, but I don't know. It's if Joe Judge can start one zero and we could be over five hundred. I know it's a small victory; it's only one game, but it, I think it would be it's it's important. Mm-hmm. That first, like that first game, it, it can really set. I mean, 
I mean, even set a tone. Start on too. I was like, here we go again. Here it is. Well, yeah, it, it's like you you just get used to it. You don't want to ever be used to losing. Like you don't want to be like, oh, this is exactly again. We're, look what look, shit. Look what's happening again. Um, but yeah, hopefully they start finishing games and seasons. But um, my next one is to sure up. Off, I mean, I we've been trying, um, but the coaches got to get that offense and defensive line. Like they they got to figure out something. They can't just keep letting. Like we've lost pretty much. I felt like every battle last year on the offensive defensive lines, and obviously the secondary stung, which doesn't yeah. really help when the quarterback can just throw the ball like five se- like a second after he catch because the guy's wide open. But it that I mean we've talked about this before the. Those the Super Bowl teams, the best teams they've had, they the best parts of those teams were the offense and defensive line. Yep. Um, you build from that. I just want to, I, you got to get the yeah. hot again. I mean, I and granted, obviously, we kind of uh, went back to that this year, getting um, getting our our nice thick offensive tackle. Uh, hopefully, he's as good as we hope he's going to be. Um, good looking hog, Molly. Yeah, <laughs> he looks good. Uh, at least he looks good coming off the bus as of right now. So that's a good, that's a good thing. Um, but he, I mean, they got to put more into the coaching staff and time into really developing those guys. And I, Ryan, I don't know if it was, I think it was you who was saying how um, like our coaches, like with Pat Shermer were just, I mean, we just they didn't have them like with the offensive line. Like there was no development. There was no like, yeah growth in any of our guys it was just back it's taking steps back yeah I mean the issue with Shermer was that when the Giants hired him he was the Vikings co- offensive coordinator and they were in the NFC championship game so they went pretty deep into the playoffs so by the time he could actually start hiring coaches it was slim pickings but that doesn't excuse the fact that he didn't get rid of guys after his first year when he had you know he had all the choices in front of him he didn't do that so that's on him um but another to that point, Ed, about the defense, um, read, I was reading a story by ESPN today. Um, Bill Belichick and the Patriots defense has made use of the three-three-five defense more right. than anybody else ever. So I think that's kind of a – I know we already kind of talked about how Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, likes to do that stuff. So there's another Belichick uh, effort by this offense uh, or his defense. So um, – I'm excited about this coaching staff. I think I think Jason Garrett was a was a good hire. I know some Giants fans think he's crap, but great hire. I think his offense is always good. I mean, they always killed us. So, well, uh, not only that, I just don't understand how people can just jump to that conclusion. Yes, he's a bad head coach, but so is Wade Phillips. So is North Turner. All these guys who are great coordinators. Like that's what I don't like. Being a head coach is something completely completely different. Because I, I was talking to my friends. I was talking to my friends about like Tom Coughlin too. I still don't know what Tom Coughlin did. Offense, defense, I have no idea. He was just a good head coach. Like, I really – like, you know, it's yeah. – I mean, obviously, we all know Belichick was defense. But same thing with Belichick. He's just like – you know, he's a very good head he's, – I mean, well, he's the best coach ever. But I'm not going to complain anyone – compare anyone to Belichick. But, I mean, it's 
it's tough to – I don't like the, the comparisons of being like, oh, yeah, Jason Garrett wasn't a good head coach. That, doesn't, that means he's going to be a bad offensive coordinator. I don't like that at all. I, think I mean, that's, a, that, that's Pat Shermer in a nutshell. That guy, horrible was, head coach. But exactly. Great offensive coordinator. He's a good coordinator. He's going to be good in Denver. Like, Drew Locke should be pumped to have him there. Like, I think he's going to be very successful. But I think it's also a little unfair. I think, Ryan, you're about to jump in. A little unfair to just label Jason Garrett a bad head coach. Um, he, I mean, he was the Cowboys coach for over 10 years, I think. I think 12. Yeah. He got the job when they fired Wade Phillips. He was the interim coach, and Jerry pumped him up. He had. He obviously never had the, the height of success, but he had his, his fair share of success. Yeah, yeah. He was always competitive. Um, he had to deal with Jerry Jones, which, like, is not easy. That's, like, a, that's a burden that all other head coaches don't have, and he, right. he managed it well. Yeah, I probably should have set more – average to a, a little above average than bad bad you're right bad's a harsh word for someone who's made the playoffs like he made the playoffs like six times i think and yeah. someone who was works for the giants now and we're a very biased podcast and we're not going to be saying this. <laughs> oh, I mean, well, we could say if he wasn't that good of a head coach you could say it it doesn't mean mean mm-hmm. bad coach Aaron, i still think he's gonna be good he only had one losing season as, as head coach of the that's Cowboys. impressive that's like a, a 10 year but yeah I, how many how many uh 500 years did he have, though? Not that it matters too much. I'm just interested. Four. I'm assuming you're looking at it, right? Get four. Yeah, that's hilarious. That's, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of it. Yeah, that's the only reason. So it's like you had five years of winning and five years of yeah, but mediocre. Yeah, but it's even more perspective. I read that Jason Garrett didn't get to pick his coaches. Jerry did. That's fucking ridiculous. And Jerry, Jason Garrett asked Jerry if he could call the plays one year after he gave them – he get, Jason Garrett called the plays for the first couple of years and he gave it to his offensive coordinator and then it wasn't working. And Jason Garrett asked Jerry if he could call the plays again. And Jerry said, no, mm-hmm. think about how much a micromanagement is that. Jer- I mean, you think John Mara would ever say, Hey, Pat Shermer, you're not calling plays. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. You hired him, right? Yeah. That's, that's brutal. Um, all right. Eddie, did you have another goal? Or was that? Uh, those were really my two main ones. I mean, there's a, there was like one that's kind of like, um, one that's a little bit uh, like smaller and kind of just um, going off to uh, I think it was Chris who was saying something about uh, Daniel Dimes just you know making sure that you know he they continuously grow rapport with the wide receivers and Evan and the thing is like listen even though you know I've said it before I'm not the biggest fan of Evan Ingram but if he's going to be our guy he's going to be our guy they got to get this like they need to be in sync. They need to be, it's like, you know, where like, it's gotta be like, you know, every time they have to be together, it just can't be. So I would think him. And I, I think he probably does this. He probably is going to, well, I can't really do it now with the quarantine, but you know, doing those like, and just going back to the culture thing, what Chris was saying, just building that. I want to be part of this team. I want to be in sync with my quarterback type stuff. Which they actually – I mean, they did a pretty good job with it last year. They were in decent – they were in decent uh, – He was on the field. He was good. He was productive. He played. Oh, I'm, talk- I'm just talking about Daniel Jones with all of his receivers. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But I said Evan Ingram in, in general just because he's the youngest, and it looks like he's going to end up being someone that they're going to keep in the future. Yeah. Just stop mm-hmm. getting concussions. Get some water. Get talk-, talk to Russ. Get that water in. Mm-hmm. Quick here. <laughs> Come on. Ooh. I don't think Joe Judge believes in concussions, so I don't think I'm gonna... <laughs> I think we're good. Mm-hmm. I'm off the field. I think Joe Absolutely Judge. Absolutely not. <laughs> I think you know how you fix a concussion? Joe Judge goes into that tent with you and stares into your soul. And your... <laughs> Problem solved. 
Yeah. Then he then he gives you some smelling salts and you're on your way. Mm. <laughs> All right. State of the NFC East. For this segment, we're just a quick run around or a quick, you know, go around the NFC East and just kind of where you think they are right now, what you think, uh, uh, what they think they should improve on, if you think they have anything to improve on. We'll start first with the Eagles, given they won the division. I'll go first. Um, I didn't get the Jalen Hurts pick. Other people tell me I'm stupid for not getting it. We'll see how that goes. You know, the Twitter <laughs> Twitter thinks it's uh, – Geniuses. Yeah, they think it was, you know, Warren Sharp thinks it was one of the most brilliant picks he's ever seen. So take that for what it's worth. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Eagles, I think that was a good pick. I mean, Jalen Rigor, I guess he's, you know, he's a first round talent. That's, a, that's how the Eagles view him. I don't know anything about that. Again, we're not the expert commentary. We did not go over film. That's not what we do. But uh, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Like I said last time, you know, they have a pretty good head coach and a pretty good GM. So I believe in, I'll, I'll, I'll trust them on that. But, uh, I still think they have a lot more work to do on that offense. Um, you know, Wentz is a good quarterback. I know that. He makes things happen. Um, but I think the more help you can give that guy, the better, especially since he's uh, had some trouble, you know, staying on the field a little bit. Um, their defense, they'll always have a good defense. They have a good defensive coordinator in Jim Schwartz. Um, Darius Slay, I think, is a little overrated. That's just mine. Also, he's not the best Darius Slayton. But it, mm-hmm. would, um, it will be good to see. I hope Slayton's. Uh, matched up against him twice. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! Yo, I forgot about talking about Slayton before too. Uh, what do you guys think? Um, I, yeah, I think that was a a good overview of what the Eagles have going on. Just quick point on the Jalen Hurts pick. Um, <clears throat> I like the pick as in theory, in the sense that they have an injury prone quarterback and they're going to have a cheap backup quarterback for the next five four years now. Um, so I like that in theory. I just, I'm just not a Jalen Hurts believer. I think he's, uh, he got benched at Alabama, a team where he's surrounded by the best talent in the country, and he couldn't produce against inferior talent week in and week out. Um, I don't think that bodes well into coming to the NFL where you're not going to have that talent disparity every time you take the field. So I'm not a Jalen Hurts guy, so therefore I, I laughed when I saw them make the pick. But in theory, if they believe in the player, I, I – do think it – I don't think it was an outlandish pick, and I, I think it could pay off for them if, if Hurts pays off. Yeah, and in a year from now when Jalen Hurts leaves <clears> the <throat> Super Bowl, you, you, me, and Eddie can have a good laugh about that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hold the state back. You know what? Um, yeah. Um, I, I we, agree. We all know – sorry, just to make one more point. We all no, know Carson Wentz is totally fine with his backup quarterback coming in and actually leading his team on to a, a playoff-winning uh, performance. So – no, no, you know, so hopefully that maybe that'll maybe that'll be the thing for the Eagles again. That's what no no ego problem. Yeah. Ed? No, I, I agree. Like with what both of you were saying, I just and the same exact thing with Chris, um, when he was just saying the you know, if Jalen like I agree, I think you should get a you know, look what the Saints are kind of doing. Like, I mean, Drew Brees is kinda coming up to his end. He they get they signed, I mean Jameis, but you know, did have 30 some odd touchdowns last year. So, but I just don't see him being good. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't really, maybe I missed something. I mean, I know he had a big year last year, but it was also against some of the worst defenses in college football year in and year out. The big 12 has been like the worst defensive conference. Yeah. And like Oklahoma, Oklahoma had two back-to-back quarterbacks who went number one. (laughs) Right. Jalen Hurts right. did that streak, so. Right. <laughs> two, exactly. two Heisman winners. Right. Yeah. I mean, he was uh, – but with that being said, he was pretty close to being a Heisman yeah, he, winner. No, he was, yeah. he was a runner-up. Heisman runner-up. Yeah. 
Oh, he was the runner-up. Oh, I, yep. I don't. Know. I thought it was uh, what's his name. Oh, one 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 other thing to throw in on that Hertz pick is I saw um, I think it was Orlovsky drawing it up on ESPN, like a uh, an interesting way that they might utilize him, which yeah, is like, it was the most favorable way ever, and that nobody ever thought of this, and how smart the Eagles are, and how great Carson Wentz is. Right? I'm like, sure I'm sure it's been thought of, but just actually seeing it drawn up was interesting. Where it was like a double read option, where it would be like Wentz and Hertz in the backfield, and Wentz would have the initial read option where he could hand it to Hertz or or hit a quick slant. And if he did hand it to Hertz, then Hertz would then have an option to run it, or there'd be other routes going on where he could hit it. Um, which, if they utilize that wrinkle even here and there, um, could be uh, something that that'll be tricky for the Giants and, and all opposing defenses. Yeah, it's an interesting thought, but I mean, I feel like there's no way that wasn't already thought about or tried in like, you know, even just in practices like that we don't see, you know, how many yeah. rushing quarterbacks, like movable, like quarterbacks that can move that, you know. I don't yeah, know. I, no, I, like I said, I agree with that, but I don't think anyone has really had the personnel to utilize to implement that system and, and they, they might do it. With, with this uncertainty, I will say this, the spin zone that Giants fans of all, all stripes should be putting out there is that the Eagles don't believe in Carson Wentz. It's the only thing you need to be saying yeah. fans right now. Sold. If you, yeah. believe in your, if you believe in your quarterback, why would you take a quarterback in the second round when you have so many glaring needs? That's just what I'm saying. That's what it is. And going back to actually that wide receiver thing, I, don't, I, I know that like a lot of Eagles fans like had a problem with it, but they have a problem with pretty much any pick that happens in there uh, for their team. But like, I don't I don't know much about him. I know that he he had some pretty good stats from what I was hearing. But the only thing is that I'm looking at it. Ceedee Lamb was three picks before that. And granted, obviously you're not expecting you weren't really expecting the cow the Cowboys weren't even expecting the Cowboys to pick a wide receiver. But I feel like that's got you got to trick you got to go up and get him. I mean he. I, I still don't know how he dropped the 18th pick anyway, but I mean, I think he's, I thought he was the best wide receiver in the draft. And I know I was talking uh, to some like some of the uh, friends that are Eagles fans and they were like, I just don't get why we're not going up to go get CD like in the middle of the draft. Like, I don't understand why we're not get, going up to go to see, get CD lamb. Um, yeah. he, he's definitely going to be scary in the division for the next, yo, him, next amount of years. But I think that's well, a good segue they, into talking about the Cowboys. Yep, I was just going to say, I think uh, Cowboys are the team to beat now. Uh, I think I said that last year before the season, but uh, I don't believe well, I mean, in McCarthy. I think Mike McCarthy is not a great coach. I think uh, Aaron Rodgers kind of exposed the world to that. I think we're both all in agreement that he should have won more with Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback. Um, I think his offense, not that I know a lot about offense, but I think it's a little stale from what I read. As I'm, you know, I'm very well read on this stuff. <laughs> but no, I think uh, I, just, I mean, but I think they are the team to beat. I think they have all the talent in the world on paper. They resigned. They resigned uh, Mari Cooper to a very team-friendly deal. I know it sounds like a lot of money, but I read that the guaranteed money is off the table after year two. So very team. Oh, wow. And also, I mean, Dak for all the crap we give him. I know he's not technically a cowboy actually at the moment, but all the crap we give Dak. You know, he's a serviceable quarterback. Makes the Giants look like him. The Giants, of course, make him look like a hall, first ballot Hall of Famer. So, thought we could do that for him. Um, not anymore, though. But uh, yeah, I think they're the best. I think they're the best team in the NFC East right now. Oof! I'm glad you said that, Ryan, because I feel like I've been agreeing with everything you guys have said so far. Um, and boy, do I disagree with that take. Um, 
the Cowboys being the team to beat in the NFC East. Um, so the Eagles won the division last year and really? and only got better. They you they, think they got better? Yeah, based off of the they team just, they based off the team they won the division with last year. Carson Wentz's best receiver was somebody off the street. Like he's gonna have a healthy receiving core next year, which is something he didn't have all of last year. He's gonna have Darius Slay, which is, which is a cornerback that at least we know his name. Do you guys know who's playing cornerback for the Eagles last year? Also, Eagles fans <laughs> last year. Cowboys lost the division last year. I agree with what Harvey, you want to praise I mean. Okay, well, I think no, I think because, the Cowboys are the favorites to lose the division again this year too. Yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I the only I reason I agree with Ryan is I just think that the Cowboys just got significantly better, and I think the Eagles just stayed the same. Like I know what you're saying about the wide receivers, the, the Cowboys definitely got better. I mean, maybe not their DBs, but they, like, they added one guy. They added a rookie, Jalen Reed. That's it. Well, the receiver. I, Wait, who are we talk? Wait, but, right, but they're gonna get, no. They drafted another rookie in the third round. Um, they got Deshaun well, I mean, they Jackson. Had, they're gonna get Deshaun wait, Jackson wait, 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 back. Ryan, they're gonna get Ryan, 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 back. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. Who are you talking about? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear. Yeah, okay, okay. Just want to make sure that we are. So they, they're gonna get Deshaun Jackson back, who's a stretch the field guy. They got Marquise Goodwin, who's a stretch the field. Guy. Jackson. I'm gonna regret they, what I'm about to say about Deshaun they, Jackson. They're gonna get Alshon, a healthy Alshon Jeffrey, who's a good receiver. Hey, no, I heard they're not resigning him. Oh, scratch I heard that part. I, I heard the, that's why I didn't understand the pick for I, granted I don't know this is all like hearsay I have no idea. I'll show Jeffrey's still an eagle. He is still an eagle. Yeah. Okay. Be. I thought that someone for whatever reason I thought I heard that they, he's not coming back to the Eagles. He's he's still on contract. Now is he gonna hold? I mean I don't see why he can hold out. No, I don't see. I I thought his contract was up. That's what I was saying. I but I'm I'm wrong. Obviously, I didn't realize that. Um. And I know you're saying, Chris, like how, you know, he, Carson Wentz really never had healthy guys and everything like that. I just – but for the most part, I mean, yes, the, the last, like, three games, I think it was when – or the last, like, two games when he was throwing it to the guy who they – I forgot where they got him, but it was something, like, ridiculous. Um, yeah, it was, like, the practice squad quarterback that converted to a receiver. Yeah. Right. Was yeah. their number one receiver. Yeah, the number one receiver. Right. They're going to get and, better with the receiving core. That's, that's sure, but they're not, I don't think they're going to be a whole lot better. And they're and the Cowboys lost Byron Jones, their best cornerback, their best secondary piece. Like the Cowboys did, did not. Maybe yes, they, they, it's arguable, but they. I mean, uh, they're the the inside linebackers for the Cowboys now getting once they get in, as long as they can stay healthy. They have Van Der Esch and um, uh, oh, what the hell is his name? Uh, Smith. Mm-hmm. They're and their defensive line, I just – yes, they don't have anyone who can cover. Like, well, they signed – what's his name? But um, – Dix. Yeah, they got – No, they, they signed a corner too, didn't they? Yeah, like uh, – But he's not He's not anything special. It's like I, Daryl Worley or something like that. Yeah. And yeah, listen, all right. I was just going to – sorry, go ahead. No, no, all I was saying is I still think that the Cowboys just got better – like, I agree. Wholesale, I, much better. And again, like it's really, and again, I agree with Ryan. Like the, and I, and I know, I know you're saying how you think that the Cowboys are going to lose the division again, but you know, I just, I, I think it was one of those also seasons for the Cowboys last year. Dak going through all these problems with, are they going to sign him? Are they not going to sign him? It's a lot. And granted, you shouldn't let that get to you as a professional. Uh, 
he clearly like totally shit out at the end of the season. Like it's but not. Dak, Dak was not the problem last year. Dak had a great year. No, 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 no. I'm saying all, think about, but think about all the. Well, no, he did not have the last, last few games. He wasn't very good when they were trying to win the division. That's what I'm saying. At the end of the season, I think it was a mixture of so many distractions. Is Jason Garrett still going to be here? Is he going to get fired? And again, it comes from Jerry Jones, but they're not going to have that. Those like. As long as they end up signing Dak, he's not going to have the contract annoyance. He's not going to have, is my head coach even going to be here tomorrow? Um, like, that's a lot. That's a lot for a full team to, to deal with. And again, comes from the front office, which hasn't changed. But you would think that with a new coach, you're not going to have, oh, I wonder if Jason Garrett's going to even be my coach. Like, who, like, who do I even listen to at this point? Yeah. And I that's think that's a lot for a team to, that's a, that's, that's a lot of shit for them. So yeah. I think not having that's going to be big, big time help. Yeah. That's a point well taken. Um, so I, we have some room to agree and disagree here on the Cowboys. Uh, I mean, I honestly, I mean, I'm, I hope they lose. I hope they go four and 12 or three and 13. Yeah. Um, I hope Jerry. They can even know in 16. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be that bad. I just don't <laughs> I think they are. But I hope. <laughs> I mean, if the Eagles and Cowboys never won another game in the National Football League, I'd be the happiest person mm-hmm. ever. That's how spiteful I've become. I feel like a Jets fan. But <laughs> <laughs> do we even talk? Do we even talk about the Deadskins? I'm okay not. I no, yeah, I was actually going to say that. I don't even think we need to mention them. I think they're still trash. I think Ron Rivera made a huge mistake taking that job. Um, like he could have been a great head coach somewhere else, but. I, I agree, but they are doing very competent things, which I, I think it was PFT was saying on uh, part of my take. He goes, I don't understand what happened to Daniel Snyder, but supposedly he, he looks like he's doing some competent stuff. Like, listen, I think they're going to be, again, the worst team in the division, without a doubt. Um, they're going to be – Quacks like a duck. It's probably a duck. Still yeah, uh, yeah, and I agree. I don't, I don't, think, that, I don't think they're good, uh, but I think they're doing at least something – productive which i mean you're going from zero productivity to like two percent productivity i mean but yeah like you said we don't really need to talk about them all right moving on to a special segment near and dear to our hearts oh wait so so i I guess we're uh, me and ryan are in agreement cowboys are winning division ellie thinks the eagles are winning the division i'm not gonna uh put my stance down on it yet i just think the uh i just think the division. I think the New York Football Giants are going to win the division. I think Joe. Jones I mean, I uh, I always think they're going to win. Yeah. Now, no, it's okay. Uh, I think we'll I think we'll move on to our final segment, which Chris is going to lead here. Chris, why don't you why don't you give us a rundown of what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to do a, a reoccurring segment called um, a old player, old giant player tribute. We're gonna we're still workshopping the name, but we're gonna deep dive a uh, old giant that's here and dear to our hearts each episode and just go through uh, some fun moments that they had, maybe some stats and just, just relive their glory. Um, the first one we're gonna start out with is my all time favorite giant. Now we're all early nineties babies, Giants fans. It's tough to say someone other than Eli Manning is our favorite giant, but I feel comfortable saying that this guy is our favorite giant. My favorite giant. Your favorite, yeah, right. Yeah, your favorite. Hockey Knicks, baby. He was picked 29th overall by the New York Football Giants in 2009. Now, just to give a a little state of the franchise at this time, this is two years removed from the 07-08 historic Super Bowl run. Um, One year removed from the Giants being the best team in football until 
Plaxico shot himself and uh, the gaping hole at the wide receiver position and not to mention in his leg. <laughs> so the Giants didn't really have any receivers and they were looking for someone to replace him. So they went to the University of North Carolina and scouted out this guy, Hockey Nick. Do you guys want to hear some North Carolina Hockey Nick stats? Please. I remember they were really good. But yeah, go yeah. Um, so I got some for you. So <laughs> in 2008, his junior year, he posted 68 catches, 1,222 yards, and 12 touchdowns throughout the season. And then in his bowl game to cap it off, now I remember watching this bowl game, UNC versus West Virginia, and I remember saying, this receiver on the North Carolina Tar Heels is just ridiculous. And he had TJ Yates slinging him the ball, so you know he had to do extra work to make every catch that he had. I remember he had this one catch that was like a behind-the-back highlight reel. Do you guys remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. It was like literally like a behind the back. After they drafted him. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It was like after they drafted him, it's like all Giants fans. It was a, it was a good um, clickbait, what they say. But um, he, he was, after he graduated, he was the all-time leader at receptions at UNC. Um, he has since been surpassed by Ryan Switzer, but it took him an extra year to do it. So kind of an asterisk there. Um, but he was just a dominant force at North Carolina. And then uh, segueing into his first three years with the Giants, he was dominant. Even as a rookie in 09, trying to come in and fill the shoes of Plaxico Burris, on the Giants roster, they had Mario Manningham and, and Steve Smith. Not the Carolina Panthers, Steve Smith, but the Giants slot receiver, Steve Smith. Fake Steve Smith. But he was our best receiver, Steve Smith. Mario Manningham was still a baby. He was still unproven. He kind of sucked his first couple of years, to be frank. Um, so Hockey Mix came in his first year. He only started six games, and he ended the season with six touchdowns, 790 yards, and towards the end of the year really came on and showed that he was the best receiver on the team and he was going to be Eli's go-to guy. Um, that next year in 2010, uh, again, he only had 12 starts, only played in 13 games, which is a theme of his career. Uh, he's had a tough time staying on the field, was often injured, and it was tough. It was a, a classic what-if kind of career for Hockey Mix. But in that 2010 season, he posted 11 touchdowns, a 1,000 yards, thousand yard season, 1,052 to be exact, and uh, really broke out onto the scene as one of the best receivers in the league. And then in 2011, with our great Super Bowl run, this is really where he, uh, he, he secured his place in New York Giants history. He played in 15 games, another 1,000-yard season, almost 1,200 yards, seven touchdowns on the year. But that was just the regular season. We're going to talk about this playoff run that Hockey Mix put us on. Remember that wild card game against Atlanta? Of course. His stat line, you guys ready for this? Nine <laughs> targets, six receptions, 115 yards, and two touchdowns. One of those touchdowns being a 60-yard catch in the first half that really just demoralized the Falcons and put them out of their misery before halftime even hit. He followed that game up by going to Green Bay. This is a 15-1 and Green Bay team, the best team in the league, at the height of Aaron Rodgers' power. He went in there, put up seven catches, 165 yards, and two touchdowns yet again. Now those two touchdowns – Mary one, right? Yep. One of those two touchdowns was a Hail Mary at the end of the first half to put them up 20 to 10 and essentially seal the deal. Like they went into the locker room. Both teams knew who was going to win that game because of hockey mix. The other touchdown was a 65 yard passing catch where he broke off like six different Green Bay Packers secondary players and 
just got away, totally put the whole squad on his back, scoring another touchdown in the first half. And those are just two game-breaking plays in the first half that just demoralized the best team in football that year, the best quarterback in football. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers probably has a couple more rings, if not for Hakeem Knicks. Um, that, that's a great point. It is. I mean, they were they had that trajectory of really being the Super Bowl champs that year. They were dominant all season, and they had the most dominant player at the most important position until they ran Eli, into Hockey Knicks. Eli was at his best when he had a big guy he could throw to. Look at Plaxico. Look at look at Hakeem Knicks. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the most appealing part about Hakeem Knicks' game is he was that big, strong hand kind of guy where he would pluck balls out of the air, which paired so well with Eli because he had that huge catch radius and he let Eli just let him go up there and get it. And, you know, Eli had faith in him and, and let him do that. Yeah, the but, one thing I will say about him is I, he, he is he was very good at going to get the ball, going to get the ball because he wasn't that tall. He was only like 6'1". Well, he's only like 6'1", right? I don't even mm-hmm. think he's 6'1". It's like, he was like, he's at six feet. Yeah, so like, I mean – he did go up and get the ball well. That I will definitely give him a lot of credit. He, he played a lot bigger than he was. Yeah, great, exactly. Great contested catch guy. Yes. That that next game in this playoff run in San Francisco when Eli took an absolute beating. Oh, yeah. Only had five catches for 55 yards, which is a direct result of Eli having to go against Alvin Smith, Justin Smith, Navarro Bowman, that whole vaunted San Fran D-line. But in the Super Bowl, people forget where we beat the New England Patriots. He had a, a nice 10 catches for a 109-yard game to cap off his historic, historic postseason run. The reason I, I say historic is, do you guys know who the all-time leader in receiving yards in a single postseason is? Is it? Uh, I was going to say, I think I know where this is going. It is not Hockey Mystics, Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> but Hockey <laughs> Hockey mix is second with this postseason run. Larry Fitz had that crazy run in like 09. 09. Yeah, with Kurt Warner. With Kurt Warner. Yeah, Yeah, he did some ridiculous shit. But Hockey mix is second all time ever in receiving yards in a single playoff run. And it's sad because that's kind of where the Hockey mix story ends because he, that offseason, he hurt his foot. And then week two, that following year, he hurt his knee. He played through it the whole season, but. He was never the same. He couldn't get the separation. He didn't have the same explosion. Um, he was really had a superstar wide receiver trajectory after those three years, and then injuries uh, just took took the toll on the guy. Who, yeah, and kind of ended his career. I think um, that's what I remember most about Akeem Nix. I mean, you're right. I didn't put together the stats that he had such a great postseason, but he did. But yeah, I mean, historic postseason. Historic, postseason. historic, Ryan. His time with the Giants didn't end well. I was just looking at his contracts. He, you know, the Giants cut him. And he, he went to the he went to the Titans who cut him. And he went to the Saints. And he went back to the Giants. So yeah, he had a, he you know he was high up, but then it came crashing down quick for Akeem Nix. He was a 23 year old during that postseason run. 23 year old after three great years, all after one of the best postseasons of all time. He was he was poised to be. You know, he was never the top receiver. He was never even in that conversation. But he was poised to be there that next year, and then it just all kind of came crashing down. He's only 32. Imagine he was still on the team. If, if no injuries, he probably would still be a force. It's very sad. Um, do you guys – a little trivia here. The answer might be easy. Do you guys know who, the, who scored the first ever touchdown at the new MetLife Stadium? <laughs> Jorge Posada. 
<laughs> Very close. The answer is hockey mix. You got it. You betcha. You don't say. You don't say. Hey, who threw that touchdown, I wonder? Mr. Eli Manning. Oh, crap. Mm-hmm. Was it Geno Smith? <laughs> Thank God, no. Fucking Geno. That was awesome, Chris. I like that. A deep dive in the hockey mix. Yeah. Um, Number 88. One of, one, of, one of the all-time great Giants, I will say that. Yeah, I mean, you look back at those Super Bowl runs and you think – you think of the wide receivers courses. You know, they were, you know, pretty great. I mean, 2007, you had a money tumor and flax on the light, right and left. And 2011, Mario Manningham came into his own. And, yeah, Hakeem Nix was the rock. He was the vet there. He was the guy who, you know, who'd been on the team. He was Eli's go-to for a while. I mean, people remember the Manningham catch. People remember – the, the Victor Cruz 99-yarder against the Jets and the Victor oh, Cruz yeah. dancing. But uh, Hockey Mix was, was the like you said, the rock of that receiving core and the, the best receiver on that team. Yeah. You know about it. Yeah, it was like, uh, it was, you know, he, Victor Cruz was the flash. Hakeem Mix was the pro. Mm-hmm. Was that was Victor Cruz's first year coming aboard, so he was still a pup. Still a pup. Wow. My, my last tidbit here, in, um, in 2010 – I'll give you two. I'm going to do a little uh, blind resume for you guys. Oh, one, God. love this. One you got to get the question marks. You got you to put it off. You got to get the question marks going. Uh, yeah, no, no. I'm going to put that up for you guys so our listeners know I did do the work to put that together. It is up on the screen. <laughs> um, one receiver had, this is season stats, 69 catches, 1,041 yards, and seven touchdowns. That's receiver number one. Receiver number, he, he did that in 16 games. Receiver number two in 13 games had 79 catches, 1,052 yards, and 11 touchdowns. One's a pro bowler, one isn't. You guys tell me who. Is player A like Julio Jones? Tell me which one's a pro bowler and which one isn't, A or B. Well, I well, A was the pro bowler. Well, B should be the Pro Bowler, but sounds like well, yeah, that wasn't the yeah. <laughs> I think we will both know where this is going, Ryan. <laughs> You're absolutely right. A is the Pro Bowler. B is not the Pro Bowler. B is Hockey Knicks. A is you guys want to give a guess? It's gonna hurt. Jason Winnen. No. Well, you said wide receiver. Yeah, but oh, close. Right. Very close. Very close. Sean Jack. Oh, Des Bryant. Miles Austin. Oh, oh gross. Brutal. Miles snubbed. Austin. He got absolutely snubbed. Hockey Mix was 22 that year also, putting up monster numbers. Well, That's all I got. Everyone, poor one out for Hakeem Nix tonight and that great career of his. Fortunately, yeah. I didn't too soon, but Chris is right. Hakeem Nix should be go down in the Giants history books. If he's, you know, he's already there, but he did a lot for that team and especially bridged a, a, a dynasty run. He mm-hmm. took over for Blackstone Burst when that wasn't easy to do. Big shoes to fill, and he filled them. Boys, anything else you want to talk about before we, we head out this time? I think we're all set. The um, fact that the Giants would have won that next Super Bowl if Blackstone Burst didn't shoot himself in the leg. Dickhead. That's another conversation for another time, but yes, we would have had two in a row. Very sad. All right, well, that's it for this week's episode of Giants on the Clock. We'll catch you next week.